What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast, and thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I have a wicked episode for you. I have Sean of Monarch Studios from Pittsburgh, PA, um, and I think it's a really good conversation. I had a lot of fun doing this one, so please enjoy. A couple quick announcements. We're doing a big Earth Day fundraiser on Frankie Collective to help Sway Shop make masks for frontline workers in LA. So that's coming up next week. Stay tuned for info on that. And um, other than that, I hope you're all safe, happy and healthy during this crazy time. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the show, dude. Welcome to Vintage and Stuff. My guy, appreciate you having me. This is your second time because you kind of had a guest spot um, with Rare Vintage episodes, so that was rad. Yes, sir. Yep, my boy Casey. First yeah. time in California. Me and you at the at the the saga. Yeah. So explain how we met. So, <laughs> Casey and and Jace, uh, PFR. For those listening that don't know first names, um, I was staying with my buddy in like North Hollywood, which I didn't really understand like how vast California was and like that Pasadena was so far away from where where they were located. So they're like, yo, I know, like I noticed that the first time I went there, that's where car car culture kind of began because you you couldn't get around LA area unless you had a car. So everyone was like driving sick whips back in the day and it, and that's where fast food started because everyone's driving everywhere that makes sense yeah yes so um they're like yeah meet us at this like motel and i was like okay yeah like when will you be there and i thought that they would beat me there but like of course i beat them there so i'm chilling on this bench and i see you coming down on a skateboard and i'm like i know this <laughs> i know this guy <laughs> he's gonna have no idea who i am but like I got to say something. So <laughs> I approach myself to you and you're like, yeah, you selling? Like you got something to sell? Because <laughs> I mean, that would have been my response too. You're like, who is this kid? Well, you stood out, dude, because you were, you had a Supreme duffel bag. It looked like yeah. full of shit. I know. I think you were wearing like some dope vintage tee at the time and, and you're sitting <laughs> on the bench by the lobby. And I'm just like, okay, this is not a coincidence. Like this guy's here for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> It just was funny to me because it was just like you the react your reaction was exactly what I would have done if I just saw like some kid coming to my shop like he was like waiting outside like, you're you're like you got some shit to sell I was like yeah you can go through my bag and um so then like I ended up following you back to the the back end and met met uh, Zach and and Wes uh for the first time back there and we like went through my duffel and I showed you 
basically like what I was so proud of to bring to California, which yeah. was cool. Um, yeah, you had that, uh, didn't you trade Zach the um, Aliens movie tee for some stuff? Yeah, I traded him the Aliens movie tee for, he gave me a David Bowie and um, this really cool U2 all over print, which I haven't seen any of them before. Um, so it was a cool trade. Nice. But yeah, man, I mean, like, it was just so surreal because I had watched the Stash Raiders episode. So I knew what the motel looked like. And when I like walk past that pool and I was with you and like all that shit, like I hate to like, I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was, it was cool. It, it was, was cool. a moment, man. It was for sure a moment. And uh, yeah. that's kind of how we roll at the saga. We like bro down. There's a lot of vintage heads that stay there now. And everyone's like moving. It's like, it's like prom party. Everyone's going room to room and like seeing what everybody brought and shooting the shit and watching bad bro talk about that story about like you were telling me how back in the day i don't know if you've talked about it on here before how you used to like basically sell out of that parking lot and set up a flea market yeah so i mean we uh, we would do appointments in that back parking lot we'd roll the truck up we'd get all the stuff uh set up does it sound really windy to you can you hear the wind or no i can hear it but it's not bad it's not bad okay cool um so yeah, we'd roll the truck up and then we'd get ready for the bowl and that's where we would do appointments and we would set up like a mini flea in the parking lot essentially. And we did this for like 10 years, man. It was awesome. And you'd get like random people showing up and be like, ooh, hey, Sonny, what you got for sale here? And like, what? they'd be like, they'd pull out like a six shirt and they'd be like, oh, how much for this one? You'd be like, oh, that's 200. They're like, whoa, because it's like just some random grandma staying at the hotel or something. Um. But yeah, so we used to get a lot of people coming to the hotel. It was fun. We'd have like everyone drinking beers in the parking lot, go for a swim afterwards. It was a lot of good times. And then basically what happened was the hotel kind of, they didn't switch owners, but I guess the owners took back control because they had they just had a lot of staff there. And the staff was really sweet, man. Hope they don't, yeah. listen, hope they don't listen to my podcast, the owners. <laughs> but their staff was rad. They took back control. They kind of got rid of a lot of people and they kind of like tightened up the ship. And then I guess because we were technically selling product yeah. out of that hotel, they were like, you can't really be selling product out of our parking lot anymore. So then we had to take it, move it to storage, which you came to the storage and it's like, it was kind of similar vibes, but it was cooler when I was at the hotel because we could, we could chill, we could skate in that parking lot. I don't know. It was, it was good vibes. Would you set up racks like in the, uh, in the parking lot, like literally like just like a flea yeah, market? Totally. Yeah. We would have racks out because we, because basically the, the Rose Bowl setup consists of like tag, not tagging, we don't tag, but we have to basically hang everything. Yeah. Essentially, like you hang all the product, throw it on a hanger, get everything hung, then you throw it back in boxes and get it in the truck for the flea market. And then as we're doing that, people can just shop, you know? It's your setup is like it's extremely extensive and i i think that at the time it was just i was almost like visually overstimulated with seeing products like i wasn't thinking about like what goes into especially i mean what everyone does you have a big booth though and like when i was when i went to the unit at first and i then i left and then went to bull and then came home and i was thinking about it i'm like man like it's a grind for like that solid 24 hours. Like, Oh, it is. Dude. We always yeah. say the bowl takes like years off our life. Every time, you yeah. know, you get up at 4am, you, you have to empty like a, 
20 foot U-Haul truck and hang all this product and then, then pack it back up and go move it into a storage unit again. You know, we're trying to figure out yeah. better systems. And when you have days like February when it rains or some shit happens and it's like, that adds a whole nother dimension to it. Um, you know, it's like dirty and it's like heavy labor, man. It's hard work. Yeah. You know, and we do it cause we love it. And it's like, you know, obviously we make money. Um, but it's definitely a grind doing a booth the size that we do. That's why you see most people doing smaller booths, you know, like just a few couple racks. Cause you can like whip that out in no time. Right. Yeah. I mean the, the number one thing that I just wasn't ready for coming from the East coast is like how it's divided into clothing. And then the other one is antiques, like trinkets and there's some clothes and, and whatnot, because it just was like so wild to see the pounds and I mean, uh, n number one price point, number two, just the mass quantity of product that to me was always so rare. Like, for example, like, I don't know, David Bowie shirts, a good example. Uh, people ask me for Alanis Morissette shirts all the time, things like that, where like you see like 20, 30 of them in at bull going through the racks and like, back home I maybe only seen like one or two my whole life besides online you know so I think that yeah, that was the your perception of it right because you're like yeah you know it's like this holy grail thing and then you're like well I went to the Rose Bowl I saw five of them you know and yeah like well okay but it still is hard to find because it's like you have a mass amount of people scouring to bring that much product to the bowl as well yeah that's yeah, a good point I, I see exactly what you mean though like it was the same for me I got super overwhelmed first time I went well, for me too, like at the shop buying when people bring stuff in, like I would say yes and buy almost everything that came to me. And now, especially like once we've gone through quarantine and, and whatnot, like I've found myself being a lot more selective because it's like, I'm not going to overpay for something just based off of the fact that like, I don't know before I just I saw like everything as almost it was a unicorn and now I'm like you know what it's going to come to me along the way eventually like there's no you don't have to like rush yeah like you know? now now is not the time to be overpaying for something for sure no no um okay so let's bring it back to the beginning here so you yeah, are sorry. you are shop monarch no that's cool um you, you are Shop Monarch, which you're, what's your, is that your actual store name? What's your store name? No, Monarch Studios is, is the name of the shop. Oh, yeah, Monarch Studios, okay. Monarch Studios. Uh, and you are Pittsburgh, PA. Pittsburgh, PA, yes, sir. Born and raised? Born and raised, yeah. Nice. Okay, so I feel like on, the, on the, the podcast, we've been spending way too much time on people's history, not to downplay your history, but give us like the, uh, give a shout out to like how you got into the game and like a, a quick rundown of like the beginnings for you. So my business partner, best friend, everything is my girlfriend, Madison. And uh, she got me into vintage. So we, when I first, we've, we've been dating since our junior year of high school. So 10 years now. Nice. And we went to a flea market. She took me to my very, very first flea market in Ohio. Um, back then, like we kind of have talked about, but um, you know, snapbacks, that's what I think a lot of people started a lot of people in vintage. So she would be looking for clothing and I loved old advertising. So I would buy gas cans, signs, um, just old, anything that was American and then hats. 
So that kind of jump you're started. In a great, it. You're in a great zone for that. Like the, the East Coast, New England area, all that area has tons of old Americana. Like a lot more, I, I feel like, than California. Like California might have like more Levi's and different things like that, but t-shirts. Yeah, t-shirts. <laughs> definitely for advertising, that stuff's in the East Coast. Yeah, man, and like I love books, uh, books, signs. Really, at the end of the day, like. I have more fun almost looking through an old life magazine than I do looking at t-shirts. So, um, pennants, things like that. And then like true American vintage denim, uh, workwear, Carhartt, obviously Levi's, but then, so then basically from there, I started going super hard with Pittsburgh stuff because I would go to Steeler games, pirate games. And like, I started finding this gear and wearing them to games and like, my friends and everyone was just like, were just basically like, where, like, where are you finding this? Like, I, you know, my dad probably has it in my closet, but like he hasn't seen that for, for years. So I did that all throughout college, high school and college just for fun. And basically for eight years, so you still weren't sell were you selling in college? I didn't sell anything. Like literally, I think in eight years of collecting, I had maybe sold 30 pieces. Okay. Wow. Maybe sold 30 pieces. So like the whole time it was just my style, like what I was known for and the same thing with my girlfriend. And then when I graduated uh, college, I started working for a bank for like two years. I left that bank, started working for a startup. And just that entire time, I, I started to realize what I was truly passionate about at the end of the day and um, you know, who my friends were in the industry. I'm real good friends with Casey who runs Rare Vintage. I met Jason Vegas, but like, I don't know. I just, all these people that I gravitated towards, um, you know, were in vintage. So basically it would be like a year ago. Now I left my full-time job. And when I quit my job again, man, like I honestly had only sold maybe, you know, 60 pieces at that time. Um, so it was a pretty big, big leap from like collecting, being passionate about it towards actually moving towards selling. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about like Pittsburgh as a, you know, you're in like a, you're in like a heavy sports town, man. Like big Pittsburgh, time. Pittsburgh is a wicked sports town. And I feel like, you know, obviously during that whole snapback movement, sports kind of ruled what we did in, in vintage we were always looking towards sports and it wasn't even you had to be a fan of anything it was kind of like you sure you would gravitate towards certain teams and everything but you know a lot of these kids who got into vintage were just buying the hats to like match sneakers or what what have oh, yeah. you and like for the look of it and the style and they would collect certain it was like you collected a style of snapback like a splash or a shark tooth but you didn't it wasn't like uh, some people might have collected just teams but more so people collected styles and they collected all the teams Yes. Um, but like, you know, talk about Pittsburgh as a sports town, man. Cause like, I feel like it's one of the, one of the better towns. man. I mean, it's literally like Sundays, there's no one in the grocery. It's the, my, my dad always jokes around. It's the best time to go grocery shopping. My mom's the same way. Like no one is at any, they're just glued to their TV or they're at Heinz field having a barbecue at home on the patio, man. Oh, watching yeah. TV with the fam or with you, with your boys. Yeah, yeah. And like tailgating is huge. Um, there's a really good diner called Pamela's Diner. So we go to Pamela's, me, my two uncles, and my best friend. I, they've all had season tickets basically my entire life. So 
go there, go down to the games, tailgate. Like, I mean, the Steelers are a religion. So are the Penguins. I'm not as big of a Penguins fan, but hockey is obviously huge here. Um, in all, in all honesty, man, like Pittsburgh is a baseball town. Our owners are horrible. Uh, the Nottings, they, they basically have run the team into the ground. Um, but like what the last time I, I forget what year it was, when we went to the wild card game against the the Reds. I was at that game and I've never in my life seen a more electric, electric crowd than the baseball game. I've been to AFC championship games, you know, Steelers Ravens games. It, it's a baseball town. Like it, it really is. It's just, I mean, sports in general, like you said, totally, like, totally. it's, it's a yeah, it's I've, I've only here. been there once. My experience, well, I've obviously went there when I was a kid, but my experience in my adult life was we were selling a ton of military and um, we were scouring all over America to find like military surplus dealers. Yeah. So I flew into Pittsburgh and I drove like an hour south, I think, to some town. I don't even remember the name to a surplus dealer. And I dug like army pants and army shirts for like three days straight, just loading like container uh, with this stuff because we had customers for it. And then I came back to Pittsburgh and I had a couple days and I remember just doing like a shout out on the FSN Frank account. That's when like, it was kind of like the height of the snapback movement and I could just yeah. do a shout out and then kids would hit me and be like, yo, I'll, I'll come meet you and take you around. So I, I wish I remembered this person's name, man. But they like took me to the fleet, the swap meet. Um, I forget. I don't even know the name of the swap meet, but I bought a bunch of stuff. Is it there. Trader Jack's? Was it Trader Jack's? That ring a bell? It might. It was like inside of a building but it looked almost like it was like an old movie theater or bowling alley or something weird it may have uh, been cheswick too it could have been it could yeah, have been cheswick. yeah i don't know there's a there's a couple of them that aren't around anymore too that like you could have went to back in yeah the this day. one was inside and it was kind of like in a weird like abandoned mall movie theater type scenario and i was okay. kind of, i was like this is sweet um Bought some stuff there. I think I went to this kid's house too because he was like, I got a bunch of stuff you can buy. So I went to his house, bought some stuff. How young, how old was he? For me, this was, well, well, not for me, but this was probably eight, eight years ago at least. And he was probably, so eight years ago, I'm like 33. He's probably like 25 then. I'm so intrigued. I'm so intrigued now. Um, and he said is. he was like homies with like, like, uh, I mean, I'll finish the story. So anyway, then I was like, is there any sports stores to take me to? And he took me to some sports stores. There's one sports store in a, in a mall okay. in, uh, in Pittsburgh. And they still had hats. And, like, they didn't have a lot of the best stuff because obviously, like, him and his friends were going there for years and buying up all the hats. But, like, for me, because we were buying bulk at that time, I still found a bunch. And we bought out a bunch of stuff. And then I'm Dude. pretty sure I found, like, yeah, I found like these weird Mighty Ducks hats in another spot there in like a kind of a bodega dollar store. I bought like probably like a hundred Mighty Ducks, like almost like painter hats, but those sold well for us for a long time. And Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's rad. I wish, I wish I did more digging there back in those glory days, you know? Definitely, man. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of to bounce off that first off, there was a shop called uh, the Sports Deli. And they had everything you could ever imagine. Like, all you know, back in the day, the Shark 2 splashes, scripts, like. That know, might have been the place I went to, man. It probably was. in a mall? Was, was it in a mall? Kind of. Uh, I thought. I honestly cannot really rem 
can't yeah. really remember. There was anyway. one that was downtown, and then there was and then the, the sports deli. Casey could talk more on that because he he's older than me, and, and he would go there more. I kind of have just heard stories about it. Okay. Um, but I would go to the one that was downtown. But the thing is, is like, again, this is during like the Mac, Mac Miller, Wiz Khalifa era. And we talked a little bit, a little bit about, a little bit about Mac coming to FSM totally. Frank. Um, but he was so instrumental towards like just snapbacks in general and like 90s style and bringing that back in Pittsburgh. And like, for example, the Nikes on my feet video was like the first time I ever saw a Supreme sticker which is crazy to think about now, but like they were very ahead. What year was that? Time. Yeah. Yeah. What year was uh, that? Do you remember? I think 2011, 2010, 2011. Hold on one sec. Hey, I'm Take on a, I'm on, I'm on a meeting. It's alluded to like that whole zone of Mac Miller was Khalifa. Like how did that, you grew up there, man. Like you lived through that. Like, do you remember man, that's, when they were, just like popping up at like random bars playing shows or how did that kind of evolve? 2007 I saw Wiz Khalifa open up for Bone Thugs and Harmony is my first rap concert ever <laughs> yeah yeah I still had the ticket for it and um it was at a place called Club Gravity in Cheswick PA it was an old roller rink um a couple hundred people the craziest concert ever and my girlfriend and I could like speak on it we were in Altered Ice for a Mac Mac Miller was Khalifa concert, literally like. Okay, no. So you were saying it's like it was like uh, you're super tight up. You could step up to the stage or something. Bro, the the stage was maybe two feet tall. Like to be totally honest, and Wiz's DJ at the time was on this janky laptop that like didn't play. It could not play the instrumentals, and he was like salty. So he ended up doing these freestyles. Like he did these like old freestyles no from back in the day that he knew growing up in like Hazelwood. Um, but there were literally like, honestly, man, 30 people there. And then I went to Central Catholic High School. At the time, Mac went to Winchester Thurston before he switched to Taylor to Taylor Alderdice. And he used to sell mixtapes um, outside of Central Catholic. Uh, it's funny, like when he first became like pretty like poppin', and had probably the first time we had seen like rapper weed he had this like crazy purple <laughs> purple weed <laughs> and he was selling it for like 80 dollars an eighth it was hysterical is that like, like is that a term rapper weed nowadays it is okay yeah, yeah but that's, it was the first time like we the saw cush, like right? Cal yeah like california weed yeah okay um but he like some of my close friends he was really good friends with and that's that was honestly man like we never actually knew each other, but when he passed, I mean, I got calls from so many people because it just felt like he was just one of us, you know, like growing up in Pittsburgh. And the thing about Pittsburgh, man, is like, it's hard to make it in this city. Like people really, it's a doggy dog town for sure. So like people didn't support him or, or Wiz until they left and then they would come back and like they were a star but it's Told interesting me, because everybody everyone else is trying to make it too right so that like all the peers are like well why did he make it and i didn't make it you know it's like well he hustled harder right for sure for sure yeah <laughs> i just think think back on it man and like even me like i was a, a big mac fan after kids but like i mean i feel bad for hating on anything because i look at him now and he was an amazing artist and like just in, I don't know, 
it's just he one was. of those things like for me looking on the outside like you look at that whole era like Wiz Khalifa you know obviously put Pittsburgh on the map with black and yellow and really like repped for the city hard I mean for same sure. with Mac Miller but Wiz Khalifa seemed to go like like went from zero to a hundred into like a mainstream pretty fast like I, superstar. I don't know and yeah he went to superstar status and he signed with like a major label from what I know I don't really yeah big on Warner Brothers yeah so there you go where Mac Miller like was more like backpack rapper style and kind of at that beginning heyday of like backpack rap, like YouTube star more so like he came up through like the ranks of social media, YouTube where like For Wiz sure. went like I'm signing with the label and they kind of worked together a bit, but it was more these different paths, but both like repping Pittsburgh hard. Um, Dude, it, it's crazy too. Cause like what we're doing right now with, you know, like, videography and like through you know through youtubing and that was the origins of all of that like Wiz Khalifa had day-to-days back in the day that he would do on YouTube and we would watch like every week and it's it's funny because as a kid you're like thinking about okay when when my parents were growing up and like the internet boom happened and like people were making money off of that and then you saw Instagram and like for a while, Instagram to me was just like a filter application, like to put filters on your photos and now look at what it is. Like, it's crazy to think about where everything has taken us. You know what I mean? Like, um, and it's evolved drastically. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's, they were at the forefront of that with like, um, you know, Macklemore too was kind of like that, like self-produced backpack, kind of rapper and he never signed macklemore was a g because he never signed a label and he kept all his money there was a couple years where he was like up there in the top five highest paid like when thrift store came out he was up there with like dr dre as like one of the highest paid rappers that's crazy because he doesn't pay he didn't pay a a red cent for him though to the labels you know what i mean and that was like and that kind of like was a, was a cool turning point where, like, somebody could do that. They could go on YouTube, blow the fuck up, make all that money, cut the label right out. Like, you couldn't do that in the 70s, you know what I mean, or no. the 80s. Like, you could, you could never get the radio play. You could never get big enough to do it. I mean, and then now it's SoundCloud and, uh, you know, everything that's kind of transformed from, from that with oh. the younger generation. Did you ever do any work with Macklemore, th- talking about thrift shop? No, like he came, he came to our Toronto store once and there's a, there's actually, we like, I don't even know if my staff knew or he was doing a show in Toronto. This was like just after thrift store era, but he posted like a selfie, like a selfie, like stupid dance in like the mirror of my store upstairs. (laughs) So, I mean, that's the only time I've never like talked to him. I think I probably reached out to him at that point, but he was already so blown up because he got like self-made so fast. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I do know people, obviously, because I have close friends in Seattle, because I'm close to Seattle, and that had done a bit of stuff with them, but I never did anything with them. I mean, I, I we did more with Macklemore. I mean, not Macklemore, um, Mac Miller, sorry. Yeah. Macklemore, because he was way more into that, like, retro vibe, and he was yeah. totally on it, you know? What did he get from you, a stadium jacket or something? I mean, he got so much gear, dude. He spent so much money, and he bought a stadium. Like, what, like, was, that was like that was a that grab. was a hype piece. 
he bought one of the starter it was like the starter sailing sweatshirt the one you know i have the starter skateboard sweatshirt no oh okay well there's like there's a series of starters that are kind of like the adidas olympic sweats you know yeah but there's like a sailing one and they have that like crest with the american eagle on it it says like qual american quality american sportswear or something wow and there's a sailing one it's got like three buttons it's like a it's like one of those all over stick crew neck sweatshirts he bought that um like a probably like a 24 pack of snapbacks okay uh, probably some other polo gear to me like that was so long ago those are the two pieces though the stadium jacket pullover hooded and then that starter pullover crew neck or the two like standout pieces those are sick i mean those are different i mean the stadium but the him picking out that uh the pullover starter that that's a different piece for it was sure. colorful it like had a lot of red and yellows on it like a big like embroidered sailboat on the front have Maybe you ever seen sailboat. another one the sailboat one is pretty common i was oh, super the sailboat. Yeah, yeah yeah i'm saying the skateboard one. no the skateboard one is like rare dude i got that <laughs> just recently and i always wanted it you know um kirk from uh for all to envy yeah. Well, you know, of Kurt, I don't know if you met him. But... I know of him. I don't know him. Yeah, yeah. So he always had that. He had the skateboard one, and he had he was big on starter because he was like super big in snapback game and stuff. And he had it for the longest time, and I had seen it, but I I recently got it from like a Vancouver homie, who uh, That's dope. another dealer in Vancouver who had it. And I was like, just listen, bring it to my warehouse, come through, I'll trade you whatever you want. Like, I would have bought it too, but I ended up just yeah, which is sick. Speaking of, I still I have that uh, Grateful Dead skateboard tee for you down the line. Nice. Which the one skateboard. was it? it he's wearing uh, – it says Pro Shreds, not Pro Keds. They're Pro Shreds. Oh, sick. And then, like, it, it, it says, like, break the rules and, like, all these, like, dope – there's, like, graffiti in the back of it and like, chalk. It's cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Do you okay. mainly, at this point, like, anything that's skateboard, surfing – not surfing, but like more outdoorsy and then Patagonia. Like where do you draw the line with your collections, personal collections? I've started to get more picky with Patagonia because I find a lot of it. And unless it's something like, in, like it's got to interest me now. Like as you collect more of a certain category, you're like, okay, seen that, have that, that's not that cool. And then you're kind of like become more picky, right? So I'm pretty picky with Patagonia now of what I actually pay out for and buy. Yeah um with skate stuff like i still am pretty open on like if we find i don't like sneak it out and go like hit up kids for it unless it's something i really want but i'll pretty much keep anything 90s 80 i'll keep anything 80s 90s even early yeah. 2000s i'm keeping for skate surf i'm getting more picky because there's so much of it um bands i have like a select list of bands that i'll keep but even that like sometimes i'll move them because if like if I get a tee that a band that I really like, but someone's going to give me 500 bucks, I'm like, fuck, okay, I got to move it. Like, exactly. I can't be that guy. And like, I don't, I don't think, you know, the market fluctuates and it's like, I might miss that 500 go, goes down to 200 and then I'll have to wait 10 years before it goes back to 500. Like I don't, whatever. It's like, you got to kind of play that market a bit too. Right. Man. And how I am at the end of the day is like, I mean, I look at, I think about what I actually genuinely wear and yeah. it's like, it's amazing having these pieces. I really do appreciate it. It's an awesome aspect of being in this business, but like at the end of the day, man, what I wear on a day-to-day -day basis is Pittsburgh pieces, 
some band tees, Grateful Dead, a couple rap tees I own. And then it's like just cool graphic tees, like good shirts that fit me nice and are it comfortable. Really, it has to fit. So half the time you find shit that is like, that resonates with me. It doesn't fit. Yeah. Right. And like, I'll wear like a weird shirt just because it fits really rad, you know? A hundred percent. If I find a good vintage white tee, like that, I rock this all the time because like this Primus, like I have a That's bunch dope. of Primus, but this one fits me good. I love white, like, yeah. and I, it just works, you know, and you got to find those right tees that work for you. But so much of my shit doesn't fit. I, I think with the Patagonia, like, I'm kind of like, there's a lot of it and I'm collect, I'm kind of like putting together the archive and like the timeline and like with that, I'm kind of more into it because I see the evolution of it. And, yeah. and also, you know, I post the videos and I do like sharing this stuff and talking about this stuff. Because I feel like you're right. If, if you have it sitting in a box, what good is that doing to anybody, right? You know, like, it's got to be shared. It's got to be, like, seen. It's art in the end. It's Absolutely. like, let's, like, let's show it to the world kind of thing, you know? Two-part, two uh, well, two-part question. Number one, actually, the first time me and you ever had any interaction, I was driving through West Virginia, and we stopped at a thrift shop. My girlfriend found a pair of lined Patagonia shorts in the women's section. I threw a picture down on the ground. I threw them down on the ground, took a picture with your name next to it. And you messaged me and said, yo, are those for sale? Have you ever seen, they're like almost the Lululemon, like the Nike, like they're lined. Like they, short, they you short. Don't need, yeah, you don't need to wear underwear with them. But like a stiff, a stiff cotton or like a they're like nylon and then the uh, inside is like is like like almost like a silky like i can't even explain it it's like uh inside is have you ever worn their shorts that like you don't need to wear underwear with yeah yeah it's like the bathing suit have like a underwear liner type thing um no i don't yeah. i don't remember man I, I don't have a pair That's i'm gonna send you a picture like yeah you can't have them but like <laughs> they're bro they're unbelievable i'm gonna wear them all summer i just found them in a bin like i'm gonna wear them twice a week like they're unbelievable. So what's yeah. your what's your grails, man? What what pieces are you actively looking for? Or are you actually right. looking for everything, anything at the moment? Yeah. I mean, for always, for sure. I mean, I'm kind of at this phase in my life and with now the online, like branching out to doing online and being able to reach more people. Um, I want to start doing more collections in the shop and also online. So this weekend, actually, uh, Chris invited us to do the virtual flea market with him, 1980-something. So I'm going to drop, like, a 25-piece Grateful Dead collection on Sunday. Um, so for just interlude here, for people that don't know who are listening, 1980-something co. Chris out of L.A., he's been doing the virtual flea market. He started the virtual flea market wave. And I give Chris mad props because he starts many waves, this guy. Chris is like a marketing fucking genius. Yes. I, I think he does it. It's organic with him. Like, it's kind of like I have a funky idea. I'm going to roll with this shit. And he does it and it turns out cool. And, you know, like Stash Raiders. Um, I don't know. I just feel like he's, he's always one step ahead. And he's just a smart, genuine guy who's out for the community. So check out his virtual flea markets. And then the WWVSE kind of tagged along on that vibe and did the virtual fleas 
which they're doing on the Fridays or Saturdays. I don't know if they're going to continue it, but um, if you see virtual fleets pop up, it's probably spawn from Chris. For sure. For so sure. yeah, so you're yeah, dropping. I hit him up immediately when he like I, he announced that, and I was just like, man, like I don't even think he saw it, but I just wanted to. I'm like, I do have mad respect for people that are just willing to put themselves out there, and like throughout life in general if you have an idea and you go with it and you're you know you're genuine behind it and your your heart's behind it you're something good is going to come from it so i just i respect anyone that does that like no matter what field you're doing just put everything you have into it and believe in yourself and you're going to go somewhere with it totally. but um but in regards to grails like i'm hoping my homies have like three more nirvana pieces that are like thrash and i like to wear thrash tees and i'm hoping that i can get those and my nirvana can be done uh and just like i'm done buying expensive shirts like that it would be dope. Why, so you're you have three that you want that and that's all you need to complete your little so i've had like this this year i sold i had it in utero which i shouldn't have sold but had it in utero um Incesticide, which I sold and I bought back. Uh, the memorial T-shirt, which I always wanted, I still have. Is that with the? Have, is that the memorial one with like the with the note, the, the note on it, or with his face in the on the front, and it just has the the dates on okay. the bottom. I don't have the one with the back with the back. But here's the thing, man. I'm not like a a completionist or whatever you call it. For at the end of the day, I collected Bone Thugs and Harmony tees when I started this collected them almost sold all of them but one now it's just if, if it fits me right like if these are the right measurements if it's the right measurements and if it's either a pittsburgh grail so for example it could be like a really random pittsburgh thing like from an amusement park uh kennywood is the amusement park here if it was a kennywood shirt or like an old grocery store um those are grail pieces to me like just local local stuff yeah um i'm not really like i understand and i respect the grail pieces in the community but having a store it's more fun for me to get those into collectors hands that i know are going to appreciate them more than me like i sold a dude uh, a really cool spider-man shirt today uh cerebro um is a, a bit massive marvel collector and i like being able to like get those to people that they're you know their collect his collection is 80 percent spider-man he told me like yeah it's dope you know so okay, well, this is a good segue into our t-shirt nerd talk okay we were yeah. like dming the other night and you have a good knowledge you seem to be you got your head in the game uh appreciate that community of like what's going on and what people are buying and what values are and like maybe like trend forecasting and um so we talked about the fruit of the loom tag. The nineties fruit of the loom tag is like the grail tag for people when it comes to like Marvel, but what else? Is it just Marvel? They want that tag or is it everything? I mean, I'm noticing that it's almost everything to be totally honest. Like, because for example, like it could be a Stanley DeSanta's design, but it's on a fruit of the loom tag. Yeah. I, like Stanley's a great tag of course as well. Um, I'm just noticing a lot of the cartoon tees, a lot of the obviously comic book t-shirts, um, the tag that people want is Fruit of the Loom. I, I mean, it's a great fit at the end of the day. It's my yeah. favorite tag. It's a, it's, it's a heavy shirt. I've like, yeah. 
since you since we talked about that, I've been like kind of like taking notice more to it. Like I personally like the Hanes beefy tag for like it's my my wear wear my shirts that I wear. But I've noticed like the for the loom that '90s one. It's like it is a heavier weight tee than a lot of them. I mean, I feel yeah. like it keeps its weight to it, but. We should, um, we should weigh them one day. Yeah, we should. Dude. I wonder. Now we're going to get into weight. It's going to be like, fuck the, fuck the, uh, the tag. Now I have to like, weigh, uh, can you weigh the shirt for me? That's the new dimension that you <laughs> oh, have to man. put in the, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, see this whole like tag thing is kind of new in the young generation where like back in the day, you'd be like, you just would date it by the tag, but it was never like the tag added too much value unless it was like, actually, wait, I'm kind of tripping on that. That's not true because like champion blue bars had a day where they were like fucking popping off. Like yeah. anything blue bar, it could have been the worst print. It was worth money or, um, you know, obviously screen stars have been like sought after from the get for sure. And like different things like that. But I feel like, the, I feel like the, the, I call it the t-shirt nerdism is growing and it's getting to like a crazy level where it's in unbelievable the yeah. minutiae right people are like getting into the minutiae of it well also like for example screen stars a screen stars xl fits like a large a lot of times well so today, i think it, sure, yeah yeah so i think it it comes down to like the fact that if it's a true fitting t-shirt i think that's a it's also plays into the aspect is the actual measurements of like genuinely what they are for an XL for Fruit of the Loom. Um, but I like people message me all the time about stuff. I really, there's two rules of thumb for me. If it's cool, it's cool. If you have an, an eye for it and you genuinely think it's cool, it's, it's cool. Number two, what is the value of a shirt? It's worth whatever you think it is and whatever you think you can sell it for. Yeah, that's well, just not even what you think you can sell. What you can actually sell it for. What you can sell. It for. Yeah, yeah, like you can you come up with a number, and if you if you hit it on the head, you're 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 stoked. And the better the more you play this game, the more you hit it on the head. But yeah, t-shirt at the end of the day is worth what someone's gonna pay you for it. I'm not gonna lie, man. I I I honestly kind of feel like meeting you in person and like having that conversation we had going to inspiration, and just understanding like how much quantity that you've moved in your life that kind of like almost changed the game for me because like, I just am like, I just try and make a good sale. Like I try and make someone happy at the end of the day. I'm not trying to put it at some number that's astronomical. I want to, I want someone to be happy about what they're getting and, you know, get a good deal. But also like, if I'm not going to go too low, like I just, yeah. I, I try and find that middle ground with everyone. Totally. You know? And like, I talk about this a lot with a lot of different people everyone has their lane right like yeah. my lane is not top dollar for the most part like you know like i'm out there i'm out there wholesaling the grails to people who can get higher dollar value than me and i'm fine with yeah. that because i know like what i paid and i'm happy with the margin and all that shit and i'm moving a lot of it right yeah um so yeah but i'm honored that you say that man like you know that was a good conversation we drove from the saga or wherever we were to uh inspiration right yeah. But yeah. Again, so though, man, if you um, think about it numbers wise, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, think no, about totally. this. If I could, if I'm going to sell 10 crew necks and, and on every crew neck, even if I'm just making, you know, if I make $10 a crew neck on whatever, 
or I'm selling one shirt for I'm trying to get a number that's a hundred dollars or $110 and I'm working, working, working to get to towards that number. Those crew necks are already gone. I already made my money and I can reinvest that into something and keep it moving. Like the number one thing I try and tell, like, especially the other thing is, man, when I first started my account and I had all these like rails, I was posting these shirts for these numbers where I'm like, look back at myself. I'm like, you had no business even asking those numbers. Like you just didn't, you, you didn't have a market to sell them. Like, you know, whatever it is, you got to build yourself up in the community and like, you know, help other people eat for you to eventually eat along with them. You know, like it's a, it's a grind and a half to get to that point. But like, once you're there, you're able to make the moves you need to make. And it builds loyalty, man. Like, you know, you're getting a little less margin, but that one customer could come back to you 15, 20 times and buy different yeah. things. And now it's like that customer, that customer's value over their life as a customer to you is like way more valuable than the extra 10% you were going to make or 20% you're going to make on that one sale. For sure. Um, I'm sure we, we may talk about it a little bit, but like, yeah. that's my biggest like pet peeve is when I ask someone a price on something and they'll give me like, well, it's listed on eBay for $110 and it has five watchers. So I would take like 105 and I'm like, where is your rationale between this? Like, you know, that's all it is. I mean, it, it, it yeah. is what it is at the end of the day. I understand people that may have a full-time job and this is a side hustle where they keep things at higher margins and they just sit them there. That's another aspect of this game, but I roll at a different pace, you know? Yeah. Everyone, like I said, everyone's got their lane and uh, you just got to get in where you fit in, man. I think you've, you've figured it out. Okay. I want, I want to go into, um, well, you just mentioned a pet peeve and uh, yeah. let's hear some other pet peeves, man. What else you got? I mean, if it's a grail t-shirt in like you're posting it in thrift for um, like for sale. What do you mean posting? Oh, in the Facebook group? like people that like their entire fee is just like photos and thrift oh okay yeah yeah okay when I, when i see that and it's like when it, it'll be like i can see a price tag for two dollars and 99 cents and you're asking 40 dollars. <laughs> yeah totally i i understand it but my whole thing is like i'm almost more or less i think we also kind of talked about this but like i have a smaller business i wash like i actually bring home and like clean and wash every single garment so when i see someone that's out there that's doing that that's already taking the lackadaisical route of like taking that photo and posting on instagram are you like am i gonna get that shirt with that two dollar 99 cent tag on it for forty dollars like i like to see a little bit more of a hustle and a grind between that so yeah. that's a little bit of a pet peeve um i'm not too like harsh on like anything to be totally honest like I don't get mad about like people will yeah, fair enough, man. That whole, yeah. like that whole, like taking the pick from the, the thrift or in the bins or wherever they do it, like from like finding it, like I get it. And I, we used to do it on, we never did it in like our sources of vintage, but we did it at digs. Like there's old yeah. videos of us digging where we're like doing dead stock digs where we knew we were going to blow that out. It was like, nobody can come here again because we just took it all. You know what I mean? Right. And I guess that's kind of an old head mentality where it's like, 
worrying about people trying to find your spots. I mean, the bins are the bins now. Everyone knows that the thrift's the thrift. Everyone knows that it's not like a secret, but it was all, I guess, like you say, it's like, you're kind of, it's like almost like a, ha ha, fuck you. I got it for two ninety nine. Now it's a hundred. Who's going to buy it? You're like, well, you just told me to fuck off. Cause you just, you showed me your cards kind of yeah. like that. Yeah. weird. And it's like, you don't, you showed it almost like uh this is my hustle. I got this, but then I didn't really show you like all the hard work. I didn't show you the 20 days that I went there and got nothing. Right. So it, it doesn't really build up like your, the value of that garment by just doing that one little post, you know? Yeah. I mean that, I guess like, I mean, it, it's a little thing again, man. Like I respond to people like, you know, time is the most important thing you have and you got to value your time. But like, I try and be genuine and you know, like I really reach out to everyone I can that shows love and like interest in product or like what I'm doing. Like yeah. I genuinely appreciate them and it's all love in general in the community. Like totally. This community yeah. is rad. And yeah, yeah. No, I'm, um, I'm glad you take that stance, man. It's like, I feel that as well. Obviously I got my pet peeves. You, everyone's got a little bit of like things that annoy them, but facts. Um, yeah. And I think even from the beginning, before anyone was, po before Instagram was even around when we were selling vintage, it was like, that was the hardest thing to convey to somebody was like, why, why is your price $30 for a t-shirt in this store when I can go thrift it? Right. And, um, the truth is like, you can try to go thrift that shirt. I've curated a selection where you found something that resonated with you from a nostalgic standpoint and you know, it works and I've taken the work out of it and you see this curation. You can go try to thrift that one shirt that I have for like six months and see if you can find it. You're never going to find yeah. it. It is time. Like you say, time is the most valuable thing you have. So when you, when you actually break it down, it's like the value that goes in to what we have is time. Cause the rarer something is the longer it takes to acquire and the less yep. chances we will acquire it. So that's all it is. There's your value right there is the time it takes, man. That you hit, you hit on the head. And um, man, I will say one thing, I think it's cool being in a smaller town and being one of the first people to really kind of like help push this on the map. I love when someone says to me, like, man, I don't know how you, like where you find this stuff and like i really appreciate being able to come in here and pick out still like a 15 dollar sweatshirt because that's the thing man like if you go to the thrifts nowadays people again this is another thing if someone's like oh the thrifts are taxing and they're charging like 20 dollars for a sweatshirt it is i guess like yeah it is it is taxing when they used to be a dollar or whatever but at the end of the day like I'm cool with like sometimes doing that and getting it to like a homie or like making five bucks or like, you know, if you want to have the product, you don't, you're not making like crazy margins on everything you have. If you have a shop, especially me in a smaller town, like, you know, I'm trying to get the best that I can get. And that may mean sometimes buying a shirt for $30 and selling it for 30 or buying overpaying for something in, you know, selling it for $20 less than you paid for, it wasn't a good investment, but I, at least I'm getting my money back, which I can reinvest into something else. I think that's and another you got to look at that. Like you got to play that into your marketing, you know, because if you're going to pay 50 bucks for a shirt and sell it for 50 or 60 or 70, it's not a huge margin, but you've, if that shirt can bring people into the store that will become a customer for the future or just a customer in general or, yep. 
whatever, or it keeps your curation like on a level that you want it to be at, then sometimes that that's worth it. Obviously you got to make it up on other items because you got to be sure. getting items where you have huge margin. But it's like, I think for people that want to curate very specific things, they have to work on less margin because they're never going to, but you can't just, you can't be like, I'm going to be the Marvel guy and I'm going to get them all from the thrift store. You're never going to yeah. get them. You know what I mean? Never. Or even having like a really good rock t-shirt shop. Like you're going to have to pay up for that selection to have the curation you want and you're going to get less margin, but you're going to like be known for that. And people are going to come to you when they want a certain thing and you're going to be able to sell that product for sure. And also make up, make it up on other items. Definitely. And man, even like think about it, like when we go and we do like wholesale for something or when I came to your storage unit and I'm buying a bunch of pieces, like there may be one piece in there that makes my whole, makes my situation good. But then there's some other ones in there. Like you said, that the margins, like I buy a a wrestling shirt for 30 bucks and I sell it for 45 or like whatever it it may be. And you have to kind of work with that and understand like, that's the biggest thing. And the the biggest thing I, I kind of like get behind is it's all through experience at the end of the day. Like you're not going to learn from buying 10 shirts and, you know, trying to sell them for max profit. You gotta, you gotta kind of go roll with your punches. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So I want okay. Before I move on, actually, we touched on the tags, we touched on the t-shirt nerdism, but we didn't go deep enough. Can you, you got any other like t-shirt nerd tips for us? T-shirt nerd. I don't want to give you the tips. I don't, I got a, I got a stash of, stash. Okay. Well give us something that like you don't mind letting up. Like, I mean, we know, we know. No, we can talk about like, I don't know. We were kind of, okay. Like, I think a lot of people have already talked about like anime being, you know, something that's, I mean, beyond the Akiras and the ghost in the shells and like, you know, the name brand hype. Yeah. Anime. I think there's obviously a culture in that that is going to turn into something that's kind of similar to where like you're seeing the cartoons and the Marvel go. Um, Cause there's, there's so much like early two thousands anime, like that we find, we find a lot of it. Right. So yeah. you're saying like, that's going to become like a bigger market in general, just all anime. I mean, I, I don't see why not because I just think that like, once you get introduced to anime like you start to dive deep like if you become a fan of anime like you're gonna do you know like just like movies or whatever it may be you fall in love with something so if you're a collector and that starts to kind of i don't know that's that's where i see it people are actually gonna go and watch this stuff or you think they're just doing it for the hype of the t-shirts depends on who they are you know like for example that uh spider-man shirt i sold today to cerebro we've been like talking back and forth because the shirt had a guy on it that was like a lawyer like an antagonist lawyer in two episode two comics of all of spider-man and we think that's who's on the cover and that's what's what's fun for me is like seeing something and not knowing who it is and having to like go dig into the archives of like who the hell is on this shirt like yeah totally but um i don't know going back like what what you're saying i don't i don't know if people if it will just be the graphics or the material i think akira is a is uh akira and ghost in the shell are gonna kind of like yeah so i've i've already i've already talked about it on videos like that that all over print like green slime color akira goes for like two yeah 
or has a couple times. I've seen, I think I've seen at least a couple listings sold for that much money. Um, sorry, hold on one sec. You're fine. Hey, how you doing? He's all, they're back in the corner there. Hey, Mason, your dad's here or your grandpa, sorry. Just come on down out of the tree. So I got the kids like playing treehouse here in the back. I love it. I love it. Um, well, so yeah, again, so that, that's obviously popping. But the other cure is you're looking at like what four to seven hundred bucks for like typical. At least, yeah. At least, yeah. And getting them into the right hands, like there is going to be someone out there on Instagram that's going to pay more than what's listed listed on eBay, even because now with these raffles, like someone will get two Akira shirts they'll pay 500 a piece for them and then they'll do a raffle where they make like two grand on them. So like, again, it's just, it's just what market you have and what you're driving. Like the Instagram That's raffles. That's an interesting thing to think about. Like the raffle popped up. Um, I know thrift Lord was going to try to totally try to claim it. Cause he's, yeah. like, I started every good trend in this vintage business. Yeah. I love you. I love you thrift Lord, but, uh, <laughs> but you didn't start every trend. Yeah. Um, I did a raffle on Frankie like way back and we did it different. But oh, we here we go. It. Yeah. So I, start, I started the trend. Yeah. But I mean, it was different because it was like, I was, I was only doing designer. I wasn't doing t-shirts. Okay. Uh, it was obviously, I would still say it's, it's, it's Chris or Taryn that started the t-shirt raffles. Hold on one sec. Your grandpa's right there. Go see your grandpa. Hey, he's right here. Go get him. I'm going to have to edit this all up now. Um, but, yeah, so they, they, they did the T-shirt raffles, but now I see – obviously it blew up, and now people are changing the raffles even. Now they're doing, like, the first and second prize raffles. So I did a raffle for Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 T-shirt. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. Well, I didn't do it. I, I entered one, sorry. Oh. And then uh, – because I kind of want that shirt. I don't, I don't have any of the to- – I, I do I have, too. I have, like, maybe – I don't think I have any Tony Hawk Pro Skater tees. And the second prize was the Boom That's Boom Huck grail. Jam t-shirt. You know, Boom Boom Huck Jam was, was like oh, yeah. a show that they toured with. Um, and I have one of those. So I, I actually got second second place. I think it was the first time I even like hit on a raffle and I got second place. Because I've entered like a bunch of Terrans raffles for like, because he had a couple that were like three Nirvana shirts or something. Great. The bootlegs too. Like the yeah, good I'm ones. I'm like, yeah. I'll, I'll enter that shit. Like, what am I going to lose? 40 bucks, whatever. Yeah. Um, Chris literally just hit me up and was like, need your logo, fam. And do you want to go live with me for the flea? I like saw his thing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, You're like the, uh, it's like the appetizer. Me and you could talk for like days though, which is an issue, you know, like (laughs) totally literally, but Um, I mean, I don't have any, I don't have much more, but I do want to have a couple things to ask still. Okay. So yeah. Get into like quickly, obviously how you holding up on lockdown? Amazing, man. Like, it's been a blessing, to be totally honest. Like, had a lot of support in the city. And, uh, you know, I think having a shop, you you know, you touch and you reach a lot of people. And, like, you hope that during hard times, like, they'll be there for you. And, like, I really, like, from the bottom of my heart, I'm, like, really thankful for people. Like, they've been showing mad love. And, like, we've we've been grinding our asses off, too, to be honest. Like, getting brought basically everything almost home from the shop to get re-photographed and prepped for the website 
So that was a process. Um, I think man, just like the ter- like word, like adversity, like trying to like roll with the punches, like, yeah. so it's been cool. I mean, I miss seeing people. I miss like seeing my grandma. Um, but yeah, how you been, man? Yeah. I mean, we've been good and you know, obviously like the whole shop shutting down was like kind of a hard thing to take and then yeah, getting laid off. And then like that whole week leading up to like the shop shutting down was just kind of scary. Like, cause you, we were Terrifying. like, we were like, should we shut down? We don't know. Like the government hasn't said we need to, but what are we doing? And, and then my staff was kind of freaked out. So I had all these like weird, there's a couple of days where I was like, ah, like come home from work going like, what the fuck? Like, this is so trouble. Yeah. Like, I didn't sign up for this. You know what I mean? Um, but once that all kind of panned out and every, all my staff started to get like their unemployment money. And so, so anyway, I had to lay off a bunch of staff. Frankie's still online. We're still selling a lot. We're still doing drops. I have like a skeleton crew for Frankie still sewing as much as I can with like home sewers and a few people in the yeah. house, but like it's all staggered shifts now. So like there's nobody seeing each other, you know, or like very little human contact same with the warehouse but i again like you said i feel so blessed that like the support has been there and like we're still doing well and we're still functioning and um i feel really lucky like that i live here and i can like have my yard you know like i kind of have this microcosm here of like my life and i i don't think i ever really appreciate it as much as yeah, i yeah man right now you know like i'm sitting like here in my yard um doing this podcast and i just it's fucking i've been out here kind of like working on things doing emails all day and it's it's nice and i've honestly like spent a lot of time with my kids which has been good um and i think you know you got the right mentality from what i've kind of from what i what i do anyway because i think this is kind of a message to everybody. I do think a lot of people are kind of being a little bit naive thinking the government's going to come swoop and save them. Yeah. I think people should be hustling right now. It's like whatever you can do to keep moving in your life and business, you should be and and adjusting and altering and maybe changing your business model because it might be longer than we think before things turn around and get back to normal. We don't know like the unknown. It's kind of like I had a talk with, minor and he's big on Eckhart Tolle or Tolle, whatever the guy's name is. And it's all about the be here now. And it kind of helped me actually. Cause I was like, he went into all the philosophies and it helped me cause I was too stuck on the future. I'm like, what the fuck is going to happen? Like, how do I yeah. work now to get there? But I'm kind of like, now I'm kind of like, let it be just got to like go day to day, keep doing what I'm doing, keep working, be thankful, be grateful and like live in it, you know, and that's all we can do. But I, I do advise against like people who just think the government's going to bail them out. I think we all got to kind of keep moving in some direction and uh, yeah, hopefully this, this turns around quick. For sure, man. And I think like, again, I mean, my pap, like it's a blessing to be able to work like just period, like no matter what you're doing, and you can always refine that and do, do different things with it, you know, like, um, so it's cool. Like, it's been nice for us to take a step back. This is our first year in business. So like I had to handle like things with, you know, taxes and I had to handle, um, you know, 
like my first like you know re-inventorying for the upcoming year and things that like would have been so difficult for me to get my mind behind when I'm in a shop every day and like products just coming in and coming out I am thinking a lot long term even regards to like bro if we open if we're allowed to open back up like at the beginning of next month I can't I'm not taking in product like I'll go out and source product myself but like I don't want people coming in with like stuff constantly like personally at least I'll, because of like because of the possible transfer of germs is that what you mean yeah it's just yeah. it's just like it's we're not I don't think we're ready for it in two weeks like I, I honestly like I mean, it will be hard for me not to reopen, but I think I'm going to try and remain as online as possible for a little while. Like, even if they say we can, I just don't really like, I don't know. Well, that's the tricky thing because now it's like we've kind of settled into where we are and then it's going to take a whole nother push to get everyone's brains back into like normalcy if if it even is like advisable to do that, you know? So, yeah it's almost more about like our state as people where we're at right now is changed and will it go back and how long will it take to go back to what it was, you know? You know what Uh, I want to talk about, about um, this Corona and like regarding like the product, I'm so intrigued on how it's going to affect the designer and streetwear. Maybe not designer. Well, dude, it's going to affect designer, man. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But what about streetwear though? Cause like I'm looking at Supreme's drops, man, and like everything sitting, everything. Oh no shit! I haven't even looked. Yeah. Well, like, okay. So here's what here's like I don't know. Well, my whole mentality behind this since it started was like, you know, people. Luckily, more people are still working than I actually initially had thought. So there's still like a sure. percentage of people working, which is great. So that means more money flowing in the, in the world and the economy, which we we need. Everyone needs. Um, but as like less people, uh, the, as the percentage of people not working start to like get um, deflated bank accounts, that affects you and me. It affects everybody because they, they have no money to spend on anything. And like we are not a need business. We are a want business, right? For sure. Where is a want business. It's not a need. You don't need that to survive. All you need to survive is your house, um, your food, and like your clo- uh, guess clothes, but like you can get the yeah. clothes and survive. You don't need like Supreme Drop to survive. No. <laughs> so, those are the three the three needs, right? And we're obviously outside of that realm. So, the beauty of it though is that we can adjust and we can become a need if we like go from like our hype level of selling vintage to more like a base level of selling like cheaper vintage or thrift vibes. But, um. I think it's going to, it's like, as like exactly that. If the people's money starts to deflate and like that customer base that's buying Supreme is like, sure, there's a lot of rich people buying Supreme, but there's a lot of like average Joes that are spending like every last penny of their paycheck on Supreme as well. A hundred percent. They don't have the paychecks, man. They're not, and they're not Supreme's fucked. Not, and not only that, but also the, those average Joes, a lot of the times, like, they're buying that product to resell in a market that's not actually a resale market. And on top of it, the other market that I see on a day-to-day basis being in the shop is younger kids that are getting it from their parents and their parents are not going to be giving them money to go and spend a hundred dollars on a Supreme shirt. So like, I mean, at least we're rolling around with our own money. And if it's my decision to spend whatever on a vintage shirt, I can do that. But like, 
vintage is kind of a different realm because it's like I just think that I've been like blown away by the community's response and like how I feel like everyone's supporting each other in a lot of ways. Yeah. I, I don't know. Could you, do you feel that way too with, with vintage? Yeah. I think it's still moving really well. I think there's still a lot of money circulating. I think a lot of it though is, is there's a lot of movement of money right now in the vintage community to, to make money. Right. So there's right. like, there's like homeboys like, okay, I need to fucking make money. I got to buy this shirt from you for a hundred. I know I can get two or I know I can get one fifty. And then it's like, then someone's buying from him and flips it. It's like, it's this weird, like it's, it's very like intertwined. Everyone's flipping to make a buck here and there. And sure there's people who are buying it cause they, they want those things to wear. But I feel like the wanting to wear buys are getting less and more so like buying to flip. 100%. You know, so it's like, it, it is right now, it's about making money. So if you can be like helping other people make money right now, you're in the money because they're buying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Good point though. Yeah. So that, that's my thought on that. And like just quick thing about the whole fashion industry as, as a whole, it's kind of crazy because apparently all the big corps, I heard this from like insiders, not insider, well, people I know who are in the big business of fashion I've talked to and they say that. People had to pay for spring, even though they're not going to be able to sell spring. So, like, we're talking big brands, right? They also had to pay for summer, which they might not be able to sell summer as well as they hope because people are going to be kind of broke. Who knows how many stores are going to be open? A lot of big brands have canceled fall deliveries. Really? That means that there, there'll be, like, a huge shortage of fall product, which is a huge opportunity for vintage sellers because if we can fill the void in the fall of stuff that they usually would go to the mall to buy – you know, yeah. we're going to do that. And like, right. as long as we can get the supply and hey, then you come look to at like, come to Pittsburgh, man, you'll find yeah. all the outerwear you need. Hell yeah. yeah. And then you look at high fashion, like Italy was one of the worst hit countries from this whole thing. And all the factories in Italy, like we're talking, I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly how much, but like, is it is Louis Vuitton Italy now is like Versace yeah. Italy, like all these brands are Italy. They're just, They've been closed, and who knows that they got hit so bad that who knows when they're going to reopen them. So sad. So so sad. I think like we're still super early in the whole stages of this. We're going to see this unfold on the world economic scale for like the next couple of years as it trickles down into all these different sectors. Because you know, you look at people in big business, like even my business that to me I think is fucking big, but I'm still considered a small business we can like adjust fast. Yeah. Big business doesn't adjust fast. They're planning for like 2022 and like already putting money out for 2022. And then how is this going to affect them? Like, you know, my friend works for our Carex. Yeah. And I don't have like any crazy insider info, but they, when this shit happened, they, they shut down before anybody in Vancouver and they're like, we're shot. We've like cut marketing budgets. We've cut, any new hires we've cut 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 like right like the first week this should happen they were like we know we have to conserve our cash because this trickle down is going to be gnarly right um and i think as this gets into like a bigger as we go we're just going to see we're going to see the effects man i mean that sounds scary the economy is going to keep moving people have to keep moving on business is going to keep moving it just depends on like where and how and how it will morph and change over the next year you know but don't you think like, you know, like I told my dad about, about your business and like the upcycling and what you do. And just honestly, like, 
what you stand behind. And I think that more and more, like, that's it pushes that to the forefront because, bro, like, you could have, um, you know, you you change – like, you could have a, a windbreaker that you turn into a, a bag or a windbreaker you turn into shorts or, you know, whatever it may be. Like, you can roll with whatever product you're given at a – you have at a given time you can change with the seasons, like whatever. So I think that more and more, like number one, um, I think I tuned into like a minor podcast or something talking about, obviously like there's enough clothing out there to, you know, for the world, for the rest of our lives or, or, you know, everyone's lives. But I think more and more like brands need to tap in and get conscious with the fact that like, Hey, like we need to have this, sector in our business because yeah bro think about all that gear that is is going to get wasted for this upcoming you know spring summer fall whatever if they had a a team in there that could rework that that whatever they they currently bought and do something dope with it and you know do branding over top of it or like whatever like yeah well that's kind of why i knew about this because i've been speaking to brands and you're right like these brands are going to want to pivot and it's the whole, there's a huge opportunity for me because I'm set up to like take in this product, like exactly like you said, and do something with it and also fill that void for fall. That might be like, might be not there for people. Right. Like, yeah. and I think, I think it's good for other people to think about this too. Like, you know, if we're looking at like brand, like say like a streetwear store, all the brands that that, that streetwear store carries won't be getting, shipments for fall that streetwear store is going to be hurting what are they going to do for fall what are they going to fill their racks with well they could hit up a vintage seller and be like let's do a pop-up this fall where like we we fill our racks with vintage boom go find your local streetwear store guys and like spark up a deal because they're all going to be looking to change their business models and we can help you know what i mean all of us can for sure. So I, I'm looking for the silver lining, which I think everybody should be looking for silver lining, not just in business of this, but also in like their day-to-day lives. Like you said, like do the projects that you, that you haven't had time for or like things that you wouldn't make time for on a regular day-to-day or, yeah. um, and also in business, like how can you evolve and make your business function through this, you know? For sure. And on the flip end, man, like, if you need to just sit on the couch and watch a movie and just mentally, like if it's a lot and it's overwhelming, don't overthink that either. Totally. Like, I, I agree with that. So, t- totally. Like take the time to like mentally check out if you need to, like this is not easy for people. Like this is not everyone can just keep pushing and like it's overwhelming for a lot of individuals and that's totally normal and totally fine. Totally. That's that how first, I feel. To be honest, that like, I kind of mentioned it, but that first week, um, it was really tricky for me, man. I was like going through like, like, yeah. fuck. And I was like, I did do that. I just kind of tuned out, spent a lot of time with my family. I had to think things through. I had to like mentally adjust and you know, it was hard, man. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, uh, okay. We should wrap it up here, man. Um, the I'm last good, man. thing I kind of want to talk about though quickly I, I want to commend you for buying you own the building your stores in. I think that's fucking rad. Yes, sir. Um, yep. so more people should look into that. That's fucking G move. You did it. Not a lot of people do it. Um, who do you want to shout out? Any, anything you want to mention before we tune out? 
Jace and, and Casey for sure. Uh, my girlfriend, business partner, Madison, that uh, keeps the wheels turning in life in general. She's very appreciated. Appreciated. Um, Love you, Madison. Fam- yeah, f- fam- <laughs> family, all, all my family in Pittsburgh, all my friends in Pittsburgh. Um, I mean, like, I kind of just want to shout out, like, without going too too deep in it, like, just the city for being able to bounce back and support each other. Like, the amount of messages that I get that are just like, hey, I want to support small business. Like, you know, people that are going out and they're still getting takeout food from restaurants and, and supporting that, like, you know, they, they may not necessarily have the money to always do so, but like they're doing their part to feedback in the community. Like that's the most important thing is for us to all support each other um, through all this. Uh, shout out uh, Ephes and Frank and, and Drew and uh, for having me on here. Thanks, Appreciate bro. you. Yeah. But I, I really do mean that, man, though. Like you, you definitely, like, I feel like when I met you in California that just, you have, you have a lot of, these things are very important, especially for kids to, to hear because um, it's a wealth of information that you're sharing. So I appreciate you. Thanks, dude. I appreciate you yep. too, man. Thanks for coming on the show. We're going to end it there. Check out, you recently went heavy online. What's your website? Last thing. Monarchstudios.co. Uh, we're doing drops right now as I build out the website. So if you go on there, Right now, it's not a, not a ton of items, but this weekend, that's going to change. So if if you see this, highly recommend you. you if I don't know if it's going to come out. Before yeah, we'll Sunday. probably drop like it. It won't be. Before, we'll probably drop Friday. So let's say go check out the website this weekend. Bro, check it, popping. Check the website out on Sunday. Okay. Tune in. Tune All right. in. Yeah. Um. What What I want to say. I want to say one more thing. But I forget. Just shout out Pittsburgh. Shout out Pittsburgh. Yeah. Black and yellow. Black and yellow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're My stopping God. it there. <laughs>